0: You're listening to The Gold Digger Podcast, episode 127. I'm bringing back a classic and one of my favorite episodes ever. So in episode number 15, I shared 10 things I'm afraid to tell you. And I think that these shows are awesome because I'm able to bring to light things that I've been a little nervous to talk about on air or online. And so today I'm sharing 10 more things I'm afraid to tell you. And I'm so excited about this show because I think that it can really remove that gap that can come between us as the host and the listener listener and bring us closer together as we continue to navigate this year together. Before we dive on into today's show, I want to read the review of the week. Today's review comes from a guy actually one of my dear friend's husbands, Michael Alsop, Caitlin James' husband. And he says, Jenna knows what you need to hear in business. And she is able to ask the questions that foster good discussion. And we get to listen in on the conversation. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thank you, Michael. I love you guys and thank you to everyone who takes two minutes to leave a review. I can tell you this. It makes such a difference for us as we continue to produce a show every single week. So, hey, if you're feeling super grateful, take two minutes out of your day and trust me when I say I love to read every single one of them and maybe just maybe next week I'll be reading your review on air. Now, without further ado, let's dive on into 10 things I'm afraid to tell you.
1: If you're ready to dig in, do the work, and tackle your biggest goals, you're in the right place. Here's your host, educator, photographer, and mac and cheese lover, Jenna Kutcher. Hey guys, it's Jenna Kutcher, and today I
0: am bringing something back, kind of like Justin Timberlake brought sexy back, but... I am bringing back one of my favorite shows and turning it on its head, doing a new spin on it. So today I'm going to talk about 10 things I'm afraid to tell you. And you might remember the first time I showed up online like this, it was in episode number 15. And since so much time has passed, I feel like it's time to reach out and talk about some of the behind the scenes things that are happening in my life that I haven't really put out into the world for the sake of fear or insecurity or just because they were so close to my heart. So sharing it on a public forum, yeah, it's scary, but doing episodes like this really brings us together as a true community and not just this online community that uses hashtags, but actually lives in community. And if we're being honest, a lot of us have garbage, mess in our lives, and it's all welcomed here. I said that in the very Show I want this to be a space where you can simply show up. And so for me to lead by example, I need to do the same. So these episodes are inspired by my friend and a Gold Digger Podcast guest, Jess Lively, She inspired me to do these shows because I feel like as a podcaster, sometimes having this space between us can cause a gap that can maybe make us feel out of alignment or not truly connected with the things that can actually impact our relationship. The one that we're building every single week when I show up in your earbuds. So today I promise you one thing. I am going to keep it really real and I'm going to walk you through 10 things that I've been afraid to tell you. Now, I just have to ask that you respect this space that we're creating and acknowledge that some of this stuff is uncomfortable to talk about. I mean, there are a lot of things in life where you could sit down with your girlfriends and do the whole, how are you? Good, good. How are you? And never get to the heart of it. But I think that getting to the heart of it creates something so much bigger. And so today I'm inviting you to do that alongside of me. If anything, I'll have this episode to remember exactly where I am at in my life right now. So number one is this. I have no clue what's next in our fertility journey. So many people have been asking and following up and praying and all of that is so wonderful, but I'm just feeling like, stuck, confused, lost. I can't even visualize what's next, and I think that's really, really hard. You'd think maybe that I'd be itching to get pregnant again or to try and start our family again, but I'm freaking scared, and I'm trying to just enjoy this season. So it's been an interesting year. We miscarried for the second time in June, and I have just been taking steps to really work on myself and healing myself, and you know what kind of energy I'm letting into my life. And the whole thought of trying again, it scares the living daylights out of me. I have no clue when I'll be ready. I can tell you right now, I'm just not there. And I think that what's hard is after you've been through a loss or multiple losses like we have you realize that the things that you've spent time visualizing, sometimes they don't happen. And I think sometimes just losing that idea or what you've imagined is even harder than the actual loss itself. And so right now I'm just walking through this uncertainty and I'm embracing it. I shared a little bit about our time in Hawaii when we were there in September and there's just a day that has stuck with me and we were laying in our bed. It was the middle of the day. We were just kind of hanging out. And I looked at Drew and I said, I'm happy. Like I'm actually happy. And for the first time in my grief journey, I let myself be happy. I think that so often when you're grieving, you feel like no two things can occupy the same space. And I mean, I think they teach that in physics, but At the same point, grief and happiness can coexist, and I'm learning to let that happen. And so I know that it's hard to like share the uncertainty because I know that so many of you guys are rooting for us and praying for us and showing up for us in really amazing ways, and I know that... When the time comes, there will be a tribe of people celebrating alongside of us. But number one is just this. I have no clue where we're at and what's next. And I'm just trying to learn to be okay with that. And I think that that is stretching me in some really interesting ways. Number two is this. This is funny. It's a fear. It's something I've held on to. I worry that people think that we are living beyond our means. (laughs) I worry so much about this. I worry about it when I post pictures of our house. I worry about it when we talk about our condo. I worry about it when we're driving a Lexus, which, by the way, is like a 2008 Lexus and I love it. I don't even want to upgrade it because I love it. It has a cassette player, dudes. But this past year, I made more money than I could have ever imagined. And I'm not shy about numbers. I think that numbers are really helpful because so many people are shy about them. But with making so much money, I've also made a lot of calculated moves that really set ourselves up financially, not just for today or tomorrow, but for the years to come. And I feel like I've always treated my business, this world, as if I'm like an NFL player and I could get an injury that would never let me play the game again. And so when I was looking at our projected numbers and seeing these numbers that honestly are surreal to see, I had a goal to be entirely debt-free before I turned 30. And I'm 29 right now. This year we made that happen. We paid off our mortgage. We purchased a condo with cash. And so we are entirely debt free. And so while my fear of having people think that we're living beyond our means exists, it's not fake. It's real. I also just have to back it up with the truth that we are being smart and responsible and we're making really smart decisions. And I think that So much of how I was raised has impacted my relationship with money. Debt just hangs over me, whether it's student loans or a mortgage. I know all those things are normal, but the fact that I feel like I owe something to someone really doesn't sit well with me. And so, As we continue to navigate what life is looking like, we are just continuing to live a debt-free life. And I just have to put that out there because that fear for me is so real. I always joke. I'm like, I think that our neighbors think that we are trust fund babies. We are definitely the youngest people on our block. And you know, Drew left his job and then we went to Hawaii for a month and we came back with a condo and all these things, but no one knows what our pocketbooks really look like. And so- Whenever you see people online living these lavish lifestyles that can really make us want to keep up with the Joneses, just remember you are not looking at their debt. You're not looking at their income. You don't know. Maybe they're making payments on all that stuff. Whatever that looks like, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I have just chosen to be debt-free because that makes me feel the most free in this world. So that was number two. Number three Is something I've talked about on the show, and I'm embarrassed of how strategic I am. Like, literally, I am embarrassed about it. Because whenever I've heard the word strategic in the past, especially if it was referring to a female, it was almost insinuated as if the gal was conniving or calculated. And I feel like when we refer to smart businessmen who are making big strategic moves, it's this powerful thing. But when you talk about strategic women, it more sounds like it's this chick who's out there, who's super calculated and looking at what's in it for her. And I am at a place in my life and in my business, where every single thing that I do, it has a strategy behind it. And I am proud of that. But sometimes when I put it in a group of other women entrepreneurs, I get embarrassed because I am so strategic. And I often feel like people might think the heart piece is missing for me because everything I do has a strategy behind it. That's just the way I'm wired. That's the way my brain works. And Again, that's the way I feel most free in my business. And so whenever we talk about strategy or whenever I sit down and start teaching and talking about all the strategy that we have going on in my business, I can sometimes shy away from it because of that conniving connotation. And I'm learning to embrace it because I think that it's something that has helped me a ton, obviously, as an entrepreneur. It's also really helped me understand where my time and energy and resources are going. And it's also just really freed me up to live more and work less because of the strategy that I am implementing. So whenever people ask me what my superpower is, it's probably strategy. I freaking love strategy. I am the weird person that listens to podcasts about strategy, no matter what part of my business it is. And I'm just learning to own it, but I'm also a little embarrassed about it. Okay, number four, this one cracks me up. Please don't sign off of the podcast when I tell you this, but guys, my personal hygiene is 100% questionable. I see all of you guys out there joking about your use of dry shampoo, but would you believe me if I told you I might have the worst personal hygiene ever? I mean, I wash my face and I brush my teeth every day. But that's about the only guarantee that goes in for the day. I can go about a month without shaving my legs. And I usually only shave them for my massage therapist, not for Drew. Sorry, babe. And I avoid showering. I hate showering. I like being in the shower. I hate getting out of the shower. And I think that because I was in high school and all four years of college, I was a diver. So I was always in the pool. I freaking hate having wet hair. I don't even own a blow dryer. So there's that. And so I try to minimize the amount of showers I take each week because I hate having wet hair that much. Now, it's so funny. The other day, Drew came over and kissed me. I was sitting on the couch working and he comes and kisses me and he kind of sniffs and he's like, babe babe, I think you need to shower. And I was like, yep, I am keeping the romance alive, people. (laughs) But the truth is, is like when you're working from home, there's no reason to put on real clothes. You're not putting on makeup. Somebody sent me some makeup remover and it's lasted me like two years because I wear makeup maybe once, maybe twice a week. And it's usually to go to church and then come home and wash it off. And so I just am not great at that. And I think that if more people could be honest that their personal hygiene is not up to the standards of the world, maybe we would feel a little less creepy about it. I mean, I'm sitting here in yesterday's sweatshirt, probably thinking that maybe it's time to actually shower again. And this podcast is inspiring me to step into the shower and get my hair wet. But hey, welcome to the real world. My personal hygiene is absolutely questionable, and I'm not going to judge you for judging me. is a silly, silly problem, but it is a real problem in my life. And I just have to put it out there because I'm afraid to tell you this. And that's what this entire show is about. Are you guys ready for this one? You're going to hate me. One of my biggest issues in my life right now, one of the biggest problems I'm facing is that I get so much free stuff Oh my God. You're going to hate me and sign off this show because I realize and recognize this confession is so stinking stupid, but just please hear me out. Okay. We get packages upon packages every single day to our house, literally stacks of boxes. I don't even want to know what the postal person thinks about us, but brands love to send me their stuff to feature on my platforms. And I mean, it's gotten a little bit more under control because we do not accept product for post. Like, basically, if somebody tries to send me something and then they expect me to share about it, that's not going to happen anymore because I don't do free promotions anymore. I have so much stuff in my own life that I'm promoting, unless you're like my best friend and I've supported you and you've supported me. It's just not going to happen. But here's the thing. We still get so much stuff. And one thing this year I've learned is that stuff, it stresses me out. And it has been the weirdest hardship to navigate. And I know that you guys are probably like, girl, that's an awesome problem. And in some ways, it's totally fantastic. But I understand that getting and accumulating stuff that you might not totally value It can really wear on you. And so what happens is people will send us all these boxes of stuff in hopes that we're going to share about it. And a lot of times it just stays in the boxes because I didn't commit to it. Or I don't value it or it doesn't fit me right. Like when people send me clothes, it is so hard because I am a curvy girl. Like half of my brand is built on the fact that I am not a size two. And so if I get free clothes and they don't fit me, what am I going to do with them? I can't send them back. I don't want to donate them because I don't want the brand to come back and ask me where the picture was, but I'm not going to wear it. And so. I noticed that all of a sudden I'm accumulating all of this stuff and I am just going through this weird minimalistic phase. I think after being in Hawaii for a month and living in a 600 square foot little condo and realizing we had more than enough, coming home to this big house, it just felt overwhelming. And so I genuinely am grateful that I have a platform that allows me to get free stuff, but also it's a dilemma in my life. And I know it sounds so stupid, but I'm just faced with constantly, do I donate it? Do I sell it? Do I hold on to it just in case? Do I re-gift it? Like, what do you do with all of this stuff? And so, like I said, this show is all about telling you the things I'm afraid to tell you. And that is one of my biggest problems in my life. I realize I am hashtag blessed for real. Okay, number six is something that I'm sure you probably have figured out, but hey, let's just throw it out on the table just in case you didn't understand this simple fact about my business. I don't create all of my content. And I don't know why this one scares me to tell you, but here's the thing. I am a content creation freak. Like my team will tell me like, hey, we need five pages about blah, blah, blah. And I will send it to them within the hour. I love creating content. But that being said, I haven't created all of the content you consume. and I think this is a beautiful thing and a beautiful lesson and a beautiful reminder. I have a team now that helps me with my content creation. So while everything passes through my eyes, gets the rundown from me, I also have help in creating the best content for you. I don't know if you understand how much content we're putting out there every single week, but we're producing two podcasts, creating two blog posts of show notes, creating an additional blog post resource, creating freebies for you, running webinars, creating courses. I mean, there's just so much creation happening. And so my team, they are the experts in different areas and they have totally different gifts and you better believe in my effort to work smarter and not harder. I have them helping me out. And I know this one is silly, but in case you were just thinking that I never sleep over here and I spend days upon days creating, I do sleep, but I am also hustling alongside an incredible team who is always creating with you in mind. Now, this is totally transformed because I would like to gander and say about a year ago, I was still creating every single piece of content. But the truth is, is that I have people on my team that love to create content. And who am I to rob them of their gifts? So what's really cool is we'll sit down and we'll plan out all of the shows, all of the blog posts, and then we'll divide them up. And a lot of times I'll have them help me with the research pieces, help with just formatting issues, and then I'll run through and make sure it is exactly what I want it to be. And I think that a lot of times as we start out, we're on our own. We have no team. We're creating everything. And then you slowly loosen your grip of control, because I know y'all are control freaks, and you start to give out tasks to a team. It's hard to let go of that control, but there is so much freedom in it. And so I'm scared to tell you this, but I already told you, I don't create all of my content and I'm actually proud of that because if I'm really, really walking the walk and talking the talk, then I'm doing that by allowing people to help me because I know you suck at it. Okay, number seven. I'm excited to tell this story because it is so freaking funny and I wanted to tell it a long time ago, but the time was never right. The night that I found out I was pregnant with our second baby, Drew and I, we were in a fight. We weren't even speaking. And I think this is hilarious because I was like so excited to tell this story because it is so out of character and so funny. And I think it's super relatable, but I'm going to tell it to you anyways. And I was so excited to share it with you because I thought, you know, maybe this pregnancy would come into fruition, but it didn't. and So I never got to share this story. And so here we go. So this one is like the dose of real life. And we were in Hawaii prepping our condo. So we basically had 10 days to flip our condo and get it ready to be a rental. So we flew to the island. We had 10 days to get it painted, to get the cabinets fixed, to get new countertops, to get an AC unit installed, to get new light fixtures, to buy all of our furniture and all the things. So as you can imagine, we probably should have had an HGTV show, but it was an incredibly stressful 10 days. One thing about the island is that island time is super real. And so a lot of our contractors would say they were going to show up and then never show up. And it was really wearing on us because we had that ticking clock of like, we need to get this done so that we can rent it out. So Drew and I were under a lot of stress. We were spending a lot of money and we were under a time crunch. And so you can imagine it brought out the best of us, right? Like we were hilarious. So While we were in Hawaii, we were out with some friends and we met this really awesome chef and he's like one of those like top chef type people, super great guy. We really, really loved him. And he's like, you guys need to come to our restaurant. Like, I totally want to hook you up. Like I'll make you the best food. And so we make a reservation and we like sit down and we're like looking at the menu and the lady's like, oh no, we're going to do the full tasting menu. And we're like, great. That sounds awesome. So with the tasting menu, Drew ordered a wine flight and we're, you know, enjoying dinner so great. And we figured, you know, like I'm posting about it on social media. Maybe like when he said he'll hook us up, maybe we'll get a little discount or something, free dessert, you know, the whole shebang. So when the waitress brings the bill out, it was over $600. (laughs) So I was like, well, There we go. I mean, we're already spending so much money this week. Let's just have a $600 dinner. Like, why not? We kind of laughed at it because it was just so hilarious. It literally felt like we were leaking money that week. So anyways, we get back to the condo. We're sitting in there. And all of a sudden, the wiring falls off of the ceiling. Like, we had had an electrician come wire up this light, and it just drops. And I'm like, seriously, what is life right now? And so the whole week, Drew and I have been nitpicking at each other. We're just super stressed out. And I started nitpicking at him because he picked out a fridge and the fridge was one inch too big and it was the only fridge on the island. And so we had to get Lowe's to come back, pick up that fridge. We had to find another fridge on the island that was one inch smaller. And I was so mad at him because we truly didn't need to get stainless steel appliances. But of course, they look really nice. And so I'm nitpicking, nitpicking, nitpicking. And Drew has never fought back or yelled at me or anything like ever in his entire existence. And it drives me crazy because sometimes I'm like, fight back. Like, tell me what you really want. And so I'm nitpicking at him. And finally, he goes, you know what? F you, dude, to me. And I was like, oh, my gosh. He just yelled at me. I don't even know what to do. And so I literally was sitting on the couch and I just very slowly lay down and I was like, okay, I'm going to sleep here tonight because it was so out of character. So then I was sleeping on the couch and it was so freaking hot in our condo. It was so hot. Our AC unit hadn't been installed because the guy that was installing it hadn't showed up three days in a row because the surfs were great. I'm sure he enjoyed surfing. So, I'm laying on the couch. It's super uncomfortable. I had picked the couch out and I was trying to convince myself of its comfort, but let's be honest, it felt like a cardboard box. So, I finally go to the bedroom and I kind of sit down really hard because I want to wake him up so that we can make up. And he doesn't move. And I'm like, what the heck? So, I'm rolling around in the bed trying to wake him up so that I can be like, I'm sorry, I love you. And he's still not moving. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what is going on? So, I put my hand on his shoulder. Just to like be like, hi, I'm here. And he grabs my hand and he's like, your hand is so hot. And he puts it off of him. And I was like, oh my gosh, we're totally getting divorced. What is going on? It's over. Our marriage is over. We should have never bought this condo. It is ruining our marriage. And so that whole night, I literally couldn't sleep. And Drew was next to me. And so the next day, we still aren't really talking. And I knew that it was around the time that I would figure out if we were pregnant or not because we had been trying. And so I peed on the stick, left it in the bathroom, didn't even go check it because we had so much work to do. And two hours later, I go and look and it says, You're pregnant. And I start crying and I walk into the kitchen. And I shoved the pregnancy test in my sports bra, and I said, babe, we have to get along because we're having a baby. (laughs) So anyways, I think that is the funniest story. Total true life. You know, people talk about how amazing finding out was, and I just think how hilarious that story was. And you all know how that all turned out. But at the same point, we have a really wonderful story, and I was afraid to tell it to you. But guess what? Today, I just shared it, and I hope that you enjoyed it. Okay, number eight is this. I get nervous when meeting my followers in real life. So as my platform has grown, I have gotten more and more of a homebody. I'm pretty sure my mom called me a hermit the other day and I kind of laughed because it's true. I have learned that I would way rather have a few very close friends than a bunch of mediocre fairweather friends and I think that being in the public eye, it really brings up all these quote friendships that are wonderful and beautiful, but they take your energy and they're not the people that are with you through thick and thin. And I've also learned that having a lot of eyes on me online is a lot easier for me than having a lot of eyes on me in real life. And this year I was speaking at a conference it was a few weeks ago and I found myself getting surrounded by people who were calling themselves fan girls and I was so honored like truly because these were incredible women who followed but I also felt like crawling into a shell and I think that no matter how real I keep it online I always try and speak to one person. Every single day when I post, I'm speaking to one person. And I honestly forget how many people I reach daily. And so when I meet people in real life and... I know that it's never a bad thing. It's because I've made an impact on them or I've shown them something or I've kept it real about something. And it's all like the beautiful reasons why I do all of this. It is really hard for me. It's super draining on me because I worry that like, am I going to live up to their expectations? Do I look fatter in real life? Am I the person they thought I would be? Am I the energy level that they expected from me? And I think that a lot of times when you grow these online platforms that are so incredible and so real, you forget that that number under your name actually represents humans with beating hearts that are following you. And so for a girl that grew up in a town of 5,000 people now having 150 plus thousand people watching you every single day. It just doesn't seem real to me. It doesn't feel real. I can't imagine standing in a stadium with that many people and saying the things that I say, and so I have to be honest, like I get nervous when meeting people in real life because I know that they've maybe put me on a pedestal, and my whole message is to not do that and so. You know, I'm never going to get used to that. I think that I will always be this small town girl that feels most comfortable in tiny little towns where nobody knows your name. That sounds like a song or something. Wherever do you want to go where everybody knows name? Isn't that like cheers or something? I feel like I just had a flashback. Anyways, that's the truth. I get nervous. It's really an honor to put faces to names of followers, but also just understand like I am an introvert and just if you see somebody out there in the world that you look up to, instead of just staring at them, go up to them and tell them your name and maybe say something about yourself because one of the hardest things is when you meet people that follow you. They feel like they know everything about you and you're already starting out not knowing their name, not knowing anything about them. And I know for me, I don't want to have a conversation about myself. I want to get to know you. And so don't stare at people. Go up and say hi or let them be. But that's something I've learned lately. Okay, so number nine is this. We'll go back to marriage because, you know, we like to talk about it. It has been a very hard year adjusting to Drew being home. And I think that it's hard to share that because what a freaking blessing. Again, like first world problems, I understand that. But one thing I've been afraid to share is like the struggle in our marriage now that Drew works from home. And I feel like I should preface this and say that parts of our marriage are stronger than ever, but it also is fair to admit that there is this weird power struggle ever since he started working from home. And I think what's so hard about it is for the last five years, I worked from home by myself. I was on my own schedule, my own agenda. I could do whatever I needed to do. And Drew would leave for his nine to five or his eight to six or whatever it looked like for him during whatever season. And so all of a sudden, we're adjusting to two of us being home all the time, having very different work styles, having very different drives within ourselves. And I absolutely have unrealistic expectations for him. And I feel like for him, what's been so hard is we imagined that we'd have kids by now. And the plan was ours that he would stay home and watch the kids and I would continue to work. And so, of course, like we should have a one and a half year old and we should have a new baby in December and we should have all these things and we don't. And so when he took this leap of faith, it was kind of this weird place of like, okay, we know in a few years, if the God is good and if the good Lord's willing, like we'll have a kid and you can watch a kid, but for now, what are you going to do? And so it's been incredible having him do his own business, the Kutcher method, because we are able to travel together and we're able to have our days together, walk our dogs in the middle of the day, eat lunch together, like all these amazing things. But it's also just been a challenge. I mean, keeping it real, like he supports me in ways that have zero monetary value, but that enable me to do what I do. And so, you know, he is the kind of guy that will make me what I want for breakfast and cook dinner every single night. And he does all of this. He takes care of the yard. He takes care of the vets. He pays the bills. He does all of these things so that I can just keep my head down and focus on my work. But we have totally different work styles. I could work 12 hours a day, be excited about what I'm doing. And so, you know, it's just one of those things, and I have to really start to understand, Like, I have crazy expectations for people in my life because of how driven I am, because of how much of an action taker I am. And so it's just been a hard year adjusting to that. And I finally feel like we're like finding our flow, but there's definitely a power struggle involved in that, in seeing each other's worth beyond just money, who's making it, or beyond who's doing what within our house. And so- Keeping it real, that is something, and one of the best pieces of advice I got this year, because I'm very open about you know what's going on and stuff. And I was talking to my team member Danielle. Danielle's been on my team for over a year, and her and I we talk every day. We're like, I was on Slack together, and I was like, Danielle, I am so PMSy. Like I'm being so hard on Drew. I just don't understand it. And something she told me that really resonated with me is she's like, a lot of times when you're angry at him. What is the reason? And I'm like, because... I'm working so many hours and he's only working this many hours and he's doing this and doing this. And she's like, okay, so is it his choice that you work that many hours? And I'm like, no, that's my choice. And she's like, okay, so you cannot inflict your choices or your decisions and push that to create guilt because you're the one choosing to work that many hours and you're the one choosing to prioritize this. And so now whenever I get frustrated, I kind of have to turn the tables and look at myself and say, okay, I'm the one choosing this. So while I'm frustrated that maybe he worked six hours today and not a full day, I'm the one choosing to work 10 hours and that's not any reflection of him. So working on it, but definitely not super easy to have two people working from home and definitely a challenge when you transition into a big move like that. Okay, number 10 is this. I've actually been terrified to say this and it's probably why I left it for number 10 because I figured maybe half of you would log off when I said that I don't shower as much as I should have. I am easing out of wedding photography and this isn't anything I've planned on sharing online because it's honestly a very personal decision and I didn't want to make a giant deal out of it, but Basically, stated over the last two years as we've attempted to plan our family around wedding season, I am just done with that for right now because, like I said, in number one, we're so uncertain about what's next. And one of the things that has been really challenging, and I still remember a conversation I had with a friend who is a wedding photographer. She's like, Well, you basically have between January and March to get pregnant so that you can have a baby in the end of the year after wedding season's wrapped that you're shooting and you're through your first trimester before the busy season happens, but your last trimester you're done before you're like in pain. And I, that has stuck with me. And so I feel like this pressure of, I only have three months to get pregnant each year. And after we've had two miscarriages, I can't imagine how much longer this process is going to take. It could take five years. It could never happen. I don't know. And so It's been really challenging for me because I love my couples so much and I love weddings so much, but I have to take a step back to say and to focus on where my priorities are. And right now I just need to relinquish that stress of being like, January's here. Like we got to start trying again if we really want to have a kid. That just stresses me out. And so I'm done putting people's wedding days as more important than a child or welcoming a life into this world. And so I'm just taking a little breather on this side of my business. I still have weddings this year while we continue to work on our journey. I'm still going to be shooting every single day. I'm just not booking weddings right now until we know what's ahead of us until we know what direction we're going and what that's going to look like as we decide and attempt to expand our family. And so I think I've just been really afraid of putting that out there because I've seen educators fire up and get really good at education and then they just stop shooting. And I've never wanted to teach in an industry that I'm not actively a part of. But the truth is, is like, I'm a photographer. I shoot every single day. I shoot our vacations. I shoot our lives. I shoot my outfits. I shoot my house you know, all these things. And so I just have to change that definition for me while we walk through this season of uncertainty so that I can put and like practice what I preach and put family first and to kind of navigate this without that extra stress of planning it around other people's weddings. So there you have it. I'll run through the 10 again, just to refresh your memory, because I don't know, maybe you forgot about what I talked about already. Number one was I have no clue what's next in our fertility journey. Number two is that I worry what people think about us and that they assume we're living beyond our means. Number three, I'm embarrassed sometimes of how strategic I am. Number four, my personal hygiene is absolutely questionable. I have now committed to taking a shower after recording this. Number five, one of my biggest issues is getting free stuff and having too many things. Number six is I don't create all of my content. Number seven, the night I found out I was pregnant, Drew and I, we weren't speaking. Welcome to real life. Number eight, I get nervous when meeting my followers in real life. Number nine, it has been a hard season adjusting to Drew being home. And number 10, I am taking a little breather from wedding photography while we focus on starting a family. So... I let you in, guys. I promised I would let you in, and I sincerely hope that this episode, if anything just connects us in a way that doesn't feel fake or impersonable, that maybe bridges the gap between who I am when I show up in your ears every week and who I am in real life because they are the same person. But I love doing shows like this because I feel like There are things in our lives that slowly eat away at us, whether we're worrying about it or there's fear involved or embarrassment or nerves. And I think that sometimes when you can just put it all out there, put it on display for the world and say, hey, judge if you want to, but this is where I'm at. I think that there is freedom in that. And one of the biggest goals of mine is to be a true permission grantor in allowing you to show up just as you are. So I want for you to know this podcast is a place, come as you are, no matter where you're at and know that you're not alone. I know so many people post all these whimsical things about not being alone, but the truth is, is that we are in this together. And I'm so thankful that I have this platform that I get to show up and serve you each week. And I'm also just thankful to be able to keep it real with you. So if you never heard the first episode on the other 10 things I'm afraid to tell you, hop back to episode number 15. And until next time, gold diggers, keep on digging your biggest goals and let's just keep it real together. I'm keeping it 100. I expect you to do the same. I'll see you guys soon.
1: Thanks for listening to the Gold Digger Podcast. Dive into the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at www.golddiggerpodcast.com. If you love the show, share it with a friend. The more, the merrier. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time, you Gold Digger, you.